Welcome to Five Strike Weekly. We examine what's gone wrong in 2020 for Atlanta United and name the top five things ailing the club. All that and more coming up. Welcome to the show, Five Strike Fam. I'm AJ and this is Mark. And wherever it is you get your pods, subscribe, share, and leave us a good rating. This segment is sponsored by Thinking Man Tavern, a cozy Decatur neighborhood pub. Grab a tasty beverage from a wide variety of selections and a plate of something delicious from the menu. To go, check out Thinking Man Tavern. Follow our Twitch for watch-alongs on match days on twitch.tv slash ATLUTDFanTV. So straight into the match review, the 2-0 loss against Chicago Fire on Sunday. Obviously, uh, a team that was toiling down in the Eastern Conference and had gotten a little hot. Uh, and us facing them at home where we, yeah, it's a little bit of a house of horrors for us uh, in Chicago for sure. It, uh, yep, reared its ugly head again, essentially. Uh, and, you know, I think a little bit of the uh, kind of fatigue from having a match on Wednesday and then uh, playing on Sunday, uh, traveling might have had a hand into the way we uh, wanted to start and wanted to like try to uh, impose ourselves in this match. But I think you could see it that you know the uh, the intensity maybe just wasn't the same. But essentially, uh, you know, early score again by the opponent, and in the seventh minute, uh, Barish or uh, Erbers, their uh, their striker. He was able to score in the seventh minute. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's just deja vu a lot. All the time with, uh, you know, LA United currently. In that, uh, you know, we, we can't keep the opponent off the board early. Uh, maybe that has maybe something to do with uh, confidence. Maybe, uh, you know, they're not coming out with, uh, you know, the right organization as well. But uh, anytime we're down, it's... You know, and we uh, get scored on early. It's I believe zero seven and one in terms of losses draws. Uh, so, you know, yeah. very very poor when we go down in twenty twenty. But uh, yeah, Mark, what what are your general thoughts on this match? Yeah, I think uh, fatigue played a part in it, but I do also think confidence played a part in it. Like I, I just feel like. From the jump, uh, it just feel like uh, it just felt like Atlanta United was up against it. Um, it. It felt like it showed a little bit. I mean, those first ten minutes, uh, Chicago had like four or five shots. I'm pretty sure I heard Guzan like this was after the goal. They got another shot. I'm pretty sure I heard Guzan say that's too fucking easy. If he did, he's right, you know. And so it's, um, yeah, like you mentioned, the House of Horrors. And so I don't know if that played on the players' minds. I don't want to, you know, try to be a mind reader too much. But it didn't. It early on, it uh, it definitely felt like Atlanta had to. I don't know. I guess like dig deep early on in a match and kind of. Yeah, I think they responded okay, um, especially that John chance at the twentieth minute. You know, I think they found their footing and then figured out what they were trying to do. But early on, they looked clueless and Chicago pounced. Right. And uh, I think, you know, what, what's interesting throughout this match is uh, not only that Adam John looks, uh, you know, at least he looked energetic. He looked like he was, uh, you know, eager to score, but it just wouldn't 
go in the back of the net for him uh, and right. was definitely, I think, for uh, many people, uh, it was a perplexing move when he was taken off when, you know, what generally has, uh, I think, you know, if you have the smaller forward earlier in the match, you can, you know, maybe press is, you know, what we're trying to do at least, uh, press high. Uh, the, I think the team worked really, really hard throughout this match, regardless uh, of the you know just defensive mistakes and uh, the goals conceded. But you know Adam John, I think you need to keep him on for the latter part of the match if you're chasing goals, and you know it's just uh, a little bit of a perplexing move, uh, at least for me and I think several fans as well uh, who thought he was playing well and looked the most capable of scoring throughout the match for us. Uh, and then it went a little bit, you know, anemic after he he was subbed off, and so. Right. Um, but, I mean, I think give credit to Chicago Fire as well. They were, I think, um, you know, they controlled a lot of the match. Uh, you know, their midfielder Gaston Jimenez, uh, you know, was to a, a degree maybe Nagby like for them as well, um, where he. You know, just uh, the proceedings, it just didn't seem to phase him. We couldn't get the ball off of him. But, um, you know, I think throughout the match, you know, you have uh, some chances for us that, uh, you know, if we were a little bit more clinical, if we had guys that, uh, you know, could find the back of the net on regularity, yeah. it uh, would be a different story. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, not to give them any excuses, but, you know, 2-0 at the end of the day is not... Uh, the absolute worst scoreline or anything, but it is still, um, you know, there were very much parts of this where, you know, sometimes we didn't even seem like we were uh, in the match. But yeah, uh, and I mean, mm -hmm. Chicago dominated the midfield. I mean, like time and time again, there was just so much space for Milovic or Rebic or others to just turn and pick out passes. I mean, uh, you know, they they nip, they nicked the ball off of Rometty for the first goal, and then the second goal again. It's just even though we have defenders back, there's just so much space. And so, um, you know, I don't know if that's because of Chicago's game plan or Atlanta not executing their game plan well. Or maybe it's just fatigue. I don't know. But uh, either way, I mean, yeah, I think it's a combination for sure. But um, either way, yeah, I mean, it just like I said, like early on, I think. And I think I think Chicago was able to consistently get their chances and their shots, which is not a huge surprise, especially at home. But um, it, it we was, also have to it consider was, uh, the lineup, you know, as well. Third match without a DP. Uh, Barco couldn't play. Robinson couldn't play. Hosetu couldn't right. play. Uh, it essentially, yeah, it's another makeshift lineup. It's uh, even though you have Fernando Mesa back in there, but Escobar is playing as a center back. Brooks Lennon is playing as a right back. Uh, Jeff Loretowitz is playing and starting for, I think, the fourth straight match. And, um, you know, you are maybe asking too much of uh, Emerson Heinemann to a degree as well uh, to maybe run the midfields in terms of, you know, uh, not only possession, but also creating chances. I mean, um, yeah, and I just I don't think that was, that's what he does anyway, or at least exactly. not not well. Yeah, not, not to a degree of like uh, what we're expecting usually in, you know, yesteryear for sure. Uh, sure, I think, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll get to Emerson Hyman and, you know, the other things about uh, his game later. 
but uh, you know, and then you know, I, again, the Adam John being subbed off for Tyler Wolf, who great prospect, but if you're chasing a goal, he's an unproven commodity, and it really, I don't think, you know, he hasn't really shown terribly much. I know it's still early days, and so. Uh, yeah, he still has all the time in the world to come good, but uh, I don't. I don't know if it's the time to really sub him on. I think you uh, you leave him on, leave Adam John on because you know that you know you have five more days until the next match. You know, uh, try to get what you can out of him. You know, basically, uh, Adam John should have been you know as much as he could parked in Chicago Fire's box at the end of the match, and we're just pumping in crosses and trying to, because, uh, I mean, we're bereft of ideas, I think, uh, yeah. as a squad as well. Uh, and at that point, yeah. at least try to get it to the, the tallest man on the pitch, on our side anyway. Well, but, I mean, uh, I think that's a good point with the lineup, too. This, uh, this probably played into a little bit about why uh, Atlanta approached the match the way they did, but I thought it was, mm-hmm. you know, for the most part, I thought it was working okay. Like, we mentioned the two John chances, and those were really our two best chances to score. And so, yeah, him coming off, especially when he did, um, yeah, I, I agree. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense, especially, you know, we don't have a midweek uh, match this week. And so, you know, you would think that um, John can give you a full 90, you know, especially like it, it's, it, this is the best he's looked for Atlanta. So, right. Yeah. Um, and then also, yeah, there's that wide open chance by Jake Mulraney that was missed. Um, where, I mean, I, he didn't really have that much more time, but it's just, you know, uh, I think the lack of confidence from the players, it's the maybe lack of quality overall in the squad at the moment. Um, yeah, I mean, I essentially equate it to, you know, this isn't our first choice starting 11 by any means. We're essentially playing our 11 through 20 in the squad as the starting players and so of course this is kind of what you would expect out of any team that's playing uh you know without dps and without uh you know without their starting actual uh 11 players so you know in that respect they get a reprieve but they also i think worked like like i said earlier worked really really hard throughout the match i don't think effort could be blamed it largely is, I think, based on the talent available in the squad, on the pitch, and it just wasn't there. And, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, in terms of uh, kind of getting into some of the team notes, uh, yeah, Brooks Lennon made his 100th MLS appearance, uh, 86 of those which came with Ralph Salt Lake. Uh, Lorena Hoetz keeps making uh, into the all-time MLS uh, regular season appearances. This was his 431st. He's only behind Kyle Beckerman, of course. And uh, yeah, and so, you know, into the positives and negatives, uh, you know, Adam John, like we said, uh, the crosses, I think, were, uh, I think, generally, like, fairly good. I mean, Gallagher, Especially- Lennon. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, that's what I was going to say, especially from Gallagher. You know, I thought, for, if, if to me, Gallagher was Atlanta United's standout player. Um, yep. Aside from John, who I think played his role well, but I think Gallagher is one that, you know, he's, um, I think he's making, it, he should be making an impression anyway on the coaching staff and his teammates. Indeed. Yeah, he's he's been a bright spot recently for sure, and uh, hopefully he can be consistent. I mean, show the promise of, uh, you know, being a 2018 MLS Super Draft pick and, 
uh, you know, the, any more players that you can get for essentially free and uh, that are, right. you know, producing. Like, yeah, hopefully he can produce and, uh, you know, he would still be uh, on a, a low wage. This would help the club immensely if he can really come good as well. Um, like I said, fight in spite of the fatigue. But uh, let's get to the negatives. Of course, uh, we talked about uh, no DPs, lack of talent. Uh, but yes, Heinemann in the midfield. Um, that's where it's it's a little bit, uh, you know, where he's being played out of position, I feel like. Uh, last season, he was, uh, I think, you know, maybe off the bench, maybe uh, spot starter uh, was really good in the sense where, you know, he plays as... That, uh, that central midfielder that can link up well with other players that want to combine, want to you know link up and play one twos into the box, uh, where you know one of the players can you know either come in late or you know get into the box to to score from a, a ball in behind, and you know he's more of that type of player. He's not the type of player that will possess it for you, run your game, um, you know, and so. For me, like it's asking a lot of him right now. I think, uh, and also though, I mean, some will say that he's being paid like uh, a high tam player uh, in some respects, and so he needs to be able to uh, produce. Or, you know, some would say, you know, maybe move him on. But you know, so far, it's just one of those things where, yeah, Hyman, like, you know, uh, Hosetu is just not the. Uh, wasn't in the the game, and so you know you have one less person that can really run the game for you, and so it's an issue. It's a yeah. it's a big issue, I think, in this match as well, where midfield there was nothing really. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, go ahead, yeah. No, no, so I I didn't have a I didn't have anything to add on. Yeah, I mean, it's I all agree. good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and so. Some other negatives, uh, yeah, confidence I think is waning. Uh, you know, not having a DP on the pitch, whether it's in their heads or not, uh, we need a talisman. We need a you know a person, at least one that can uh, you can rely on to make things happen. Uh, we used to have many, and now, <laughs> right now we we don't have any on the pitch. I feel like, and that's really I think uh, I think weighing on the club and the players that are on the pitch. They just they don't know who they, uh, you know, can rely on game to game to uh, put the ball in the back of the net, or you know, just make plays happen for for the, the club. But um, I think it kind of also highlights something for me as well uh, that you know a selling club mentality is good for the optics for the front office, but uh, you know, I think a lot of casuals. That you know, I, I see the comments not only on our social media but on Atlanta United social media. They don't care if the team makes money on a sale, like they just they just don't. And you know, yeah. so they 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 want the attractive winning soccer. Um, and you know, maybe maybe Moreno is a player that uh, you know we can keep a while that uh, can really help us kind of like all out like you know. Seattle Sounders, Portland Timbers with, you know, Valeri, Seattle Sounders with the Roldans and, um, you know, Rui Diaz, Morris, like those type of players uh, stay on that team for a while and they're the top players. Uh, maybe Moreno is that guy for us that can, you know, kind of, you know, uh, run the seed in 
uh, this this time so we can get right. And then maybe some of these young uh, under 22 DPs are the ones that can get moved on. And then it really, I think, is a, a great rule to be introduced because I think it really helps yeah. us when you know we're that type of team that wants to be able to sell but also be competitive and uh, has high ambitions. So it's uh it's I think something important for the club to really balance is uh yeah. you know that selling mentality but also the ambitions of a big club. So I mean if you look uh, at the two yeah. biggest sales, right? You know, you had the Miggy sale. I think yeah, that was at the end of two years. They had just won a championship and so I think, you know, the feeling's good and it's understandable, right? And plus you're you sell it because it's like you have PD coming in, South American player of the year, like we're replacing Miggy, obviously not like for like, but it's you know, it's like we're replacing one star with another. Whereas in this case, you know, we're already mired in bad results. And so while the sale of PD is maybe smart in the context, it's not going to make fans feel better, especially uh, as the the next his replacement in terms of a DP is not going to play right away. Um, and it's probably going to need a few weeks to really get up to fitness, you know, and in the middle of a season, you know, that's going that's already going poorly. And so I understand if uh, if fans are frustrated about this particular situation. Um, and to your point, you were making about players who stay. I was kind of hoping that P would, you know, because he's mm. he's about what twenty five. You know, he's he not, was uh, yeah, twenty seven. Yeah, twenty seven. Yeah, even old. Yeah. So he's not young. You know what I mean? Like mm. to me, Europe was never a realistic option for him anyway. But I was hoping that you know he could settle here. He and Joseph could, uh, you know, form a tandem and be good for years. But I, I definitely agree with you that uh, there needs to be a balance with. Uh, high-profile players who come in and stay for a number of years, and you know, and I think we really lucked out with Joseph in that. Yeah. And um, and then also, you know, you do have to keep the pipeline going. They, they, that's part of the profile as well, especially for an MLS team. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, good point. Yeah, and so uh, you know, getting into the uh, post-match quotes. Uh, so Stephen Glass, he talked about some of the the focus. Uh, of what they were trying to do on Sunday. Uh, he said that we were looking to be aggressive at the start of the game, similar to the game against Dallas, but for whatever reason that didn't happen. I don't particularly think it was Chicago being better than us, but I think we played into their hands and missed opportunities to go forward. That was really that. Obviously, they got the early goal and some confidence and uh, started to flow through us. We didn't do well enough to prevent the things that they were good at and that we've shown the group as a group, we weren't good enough tonight. Uh, and yeah, so, you know, they went in trying to press the same, but I don't think they were, uh, Chicago was as surprised as Dallas uh, because, yeah, I mean, you know, I think they probably scouted the Hats match and saw that, okay, you know, they had some success recently. What are they doing well? How can we negate it? And, uh, you know, they were able to do that. And that's, you know, I think uh, when you don't have... Uh, your talent on the pitch to be able to make a difference, then you know that's kind of what you see. Uh, it's the performance on Sunday. But uh, Brad Guzan, you know, is making no excuses. He's saying uh, other teams have to do the traveling and playing a match on the same day. We need to find a solution. It is what it is. It's the way the games are scheduled. It's the way the protocol is going forward. It's not an excuse. Plain and simple. We have to find ways to win games when we're on the road. And absolutely, yeah, I mean, yeah, they do, sure. uh, but it's they're really up against it. I mean, you know, yeah. it's uh, 
the the talent on the pitch, I think first and foremost, uh, is the you know the biggest culprit here. But um, you know you can only you can only maybe uh, overperform like uh, a match in the FC uh, against FC Dallas so many times before you're found out, and you know the the teams can uh, really start to expect you know what uh, what you guys are you know are bringing out. But um, so yeah, that that wraps a bow on the match. Uh, you know, unfortunate in many uh, degrees, but it's it's something that. Uh, hopefully they can learn from, they can you know, continue to build on. These players have, I think, room to grow as well. Uh, while they may not be the, the top-tier talent that we're wanting to start in uh, in every match for the team, I think this is an audition for many of these players on who's going to be here next year. So, you know, if they can show out, uh, you know, we'll find out who we want to keep, essentially, in these, uh, in these matches. But... Uh, let's get into the news as I try to switch at the same time. Boom. Did it. Okay, so uh, next time it will be a lot smoother. I don't have to actually mention it. But uh, let's get into the news where uh, Fernando Mesa, he made the MLS Team of the Week on his return last week against FC Dallas. That news came out after we uh, put out the episode. But I think uh, it's pretty telling to a degree of like, you know, uh, maybe he wasn't at least... Uh, Stat-wise, the uh, the highest rated, but you know, MLS I think noticed that it was such a difference when he was on the pitch, and so they put him into the MLS Team of the Week. Um, I think definitely the veteran leadership uh, definitely helped kind of shore up some things for us. But uh, excuse me, uh, Franco Escobar uh, I think I think was for me the man of the match against FC Dallas. I mean, according to who scored. Uh, you know, these stats, the two clearances, one interception, one tackle, uh, three dribbles, four accurate long balls, uh, two accurate crosses, one key pass, no yellow cards, and he played right back and center back. Uh, the fact that he yeah. was omitted from the MLS Team of the Week is, uh, yeah, just egregious for sure. But <laughs> Yeah, no, he was, he was he was excellent versus, and it's like, it's like what we say, you know, like typically... Uh, um, a good Escobar performance correlates with a team win or loss, lack thereof. Indeed, yeah. I mean, he's uh, he's an important part of our back line. And, uh, yeah, if he's having to do, you know, more roles than uh, he's used to, i.e. Uh, against Chicago, it's that's where, yeah, maybe it's not uh, the best position that he should be played in. But uh, let's uh, move on to a Barco update. Uh, Barco hasn't been uh, been available, but uh, yeah, he's had kind of a, a minor leg injury that's not really been disclosed, uh, and he's been day-to-day, but he's missed three matches, and uh, I think it kind of starts to, you know, I think a lot of fans are starting to question whether he's, uh, you know, the commitment level, also if he's actually injured, um, or if he's holding out for a move, or if the club is maybe holding him back. But, uh, of course, you know, any rumors of a move, there haven't really been for a while. I mean, the last we heard was weeks, maybe a month ago, with uh, Sevilla and Fiorentina. But it's just, you know, it's been, there's radio silence on uh, on Barker rumors lately. So, 
you know, it, it really starts to beg a question of what's actually happening. Uh, if it's day-to-day -day and he misses three matches, then I think there, yeah, needs to be a little bit more transparency from the club. But uh, according to Glassy, he did do some modified training to see how much, if anything, uh, he could give the team, and he couldn't. Uh, he said, uh, yeah, Glassy said on Sunday, he's not healthy at the minute, and he's still injured. The injury means he can't play at the minute, or at the moment. Uh, and he said that's as straightforward as it is. So, I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, something, our, you know, we have to take it at face value or we maybe don't. But uh, there's definitely lots of questions abound. Uh, but I think, you know, to note now is that Barco has only appeared in 51 of a possible 82 league games uh, that he's been able to play for Atlanta United since he's uh, joined the club and that's 68% that's pretty much only two-thirds of the match that you can play one of your DPS uh, whether through injury or through international um, you know international time it's just you know it, it's maybe starts to make you question if uh, you know we should move Barco on does he provide enough when he's on the pitch for us um, you know it's uh, in terms of records and this was uh, according to AJC. Uh, the team has yet to win this season when Barker was the only DP available. Uh, the record when he was the only DP to play is 0-2-2. And, and then the record when uh, the DP is available available but doesn't play is 1-2-0. And, and then the record when he doesn't play at all is 2-2-0. So of course, though, I mean, it's a very small sample size. But uh, with all that being said, I mean... You know, what do you think of the situation? I don't really know what to make of it. Uh, I will say I just don't see a move happening before this window shuts. Like, for one, uh, you know, they would have to replace him. If they if they let Barco go and replace him, it just makes the season that much more difficult. Um, but then also, you know, there's the posturing by Darren Eels. You know, he talks about... Uh, uh, I think he said a number beginning with three on that radio interview. That's... That's probably they're not going to see that, but I imagine they value him somewhere between twenty and twenty-five million. And so I just, for for logistical reasons, I don't see a Barco move happening. Um, any not at least not before the season ends. But I do think that they're bringing this onto themselves. I mean, like you said, the lack of clarity, the lack of transparency. Um, you sort of invite that pressure and speculation onto yourself, and so. You know, I don't think they have anybody else but themselves to blame for that. But me personally, I just don't speculate because I don't even know where I would begin in terms of speculating. Yeah, no, it's definitely a uh, not only transparency issue, but it's also just uh, there's it's a very complicated situation. There's a lot to take in about this. Uh, and so, you know, whether he uh, is moved before or on October 6th when the transfer window ends in uh, in Europe, which is likely where he wants to end up, then, uh, yeah, I mean, it's to really wait and see for sure. But uh, speaking also, of, you know, yeah, huh? go ahead. Like, like, assuming Barker moves after the season, let's say, for example, he moves after the season, mm -hmm. um, it would even make his tenure at LA, you know, because it was 2018 where he was okay, and then there's the incident, right? The 2019 where he, he had really good highlights, but we didn't get to see much of him because of the injury. And then there's this season, you know, and so it's like, you know, it's like, 
he showed flashes. I think he's obviously got talent, but yeah, just everything with Barco is just it never seems straightforward. Yeah, it definitely isn't. I mean, I think it's on the back of uh, you know the Argentina U20s performances, Independiente, uh, and just flashes really with us. But um, but yeah, and so uh, speaking of wait and see with uh, with players, uh, yeah, pretty much Marcelino Moreno uh, in that respect. Yeah, we're still waiting on him. Uh, you know, in terms of his visa appointment, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, yeah, he did something super heartwarming over the weekend. Uh, he, his girlfriend, posted on her Instagram uh, this just video where you know basically he gives the keys to his parents and on the video call <coughs> says that I'm not breaking up here. I'm just uh, I have a frog in my throat. Uh, but basically, uh, regarding those keys, he said, "Mommy, they're yours." And uh, basically, there are keys to a new house for his parents. Uh, whether he's spending new DP money or not, or you know, if it's an old house uh, that he's giving to his parents, either way, it's a very sweet situation, and uh, I think shows what type of uh, person that Moreno is. And uh, it's yeah, boding well in terms of in that regard. But also, uh, he just got engaged over the week as well uh, to his girlfriend, uh, whom he has a kid with. Seems like he obviously is trying to get some things in order, uh, you know, family in order back there uh, at home, but also to be able to bring his young family over to the States. Because, I mean, obviously, uh, you don't want to leave, you know, your kid and your uh your uh, significant other in another country and having to fend for themselves. Uh, I think you saw that with P.T. Martinez as well, where uh, he very quickly married his girlfriend as well and brought her over, settling his family life, which I think is very important for a lot of these players that come from abroad. So uh, wise and, uh, and yeah, he's moving quickly and trying to get a lot of stuff done before he uh, he does get his visa appointment and comes over to the States. But uh, So, moving on from that, uh, LA United 2, they don't play this week, but uh, or they will play over the weekend uh, anyway, and it will be on October 4th. It will be the last match of the season. They will play Miami FC, which have given them fits. And, uh, yeah, currently they are 3-9-3 with 12 points. But, uh, yeah, I think it will still be very uh, a very interesting match for them. They, you know, of course, beat New York Red Bulls 2-5-3. So, hopefully, the goals flow again for the twos. So, uh, that does it for the news. And to a little bit of housekeeping, uh, follow our Twitch for new match day watch-alongs. Uh, we'll be there bantering and getting through these uh, very tough matches together. But it's always better with family, which is what you guys are. Uh, and you can find us at twitch.tv slash ATLUTDFanTV. So uh, let, let's get on to a new segment. Uh, kind of a throwback in a sense. Uh, we've done these kind of as individual videos in the past. But uh, we are going to name the top five things or reasons that uh, it's gone wrong in Atlanta uh, in Atlanta for 2020 uh, for Atlanta United. I mean, so you know, it's uh, it's a lot of things. <laughs> we won't. I I'm sure you guys will have your opinions on what you think uh, is going wrong, but these are our lists uh, uh, 
of things that you know reasons why we think and then if you have some other reasons that you feel like we omitted or missed out on please let us know in the comments below so number five uh i think it's a lack of leadership uh we definitely you know have lost a lot of leaders in the squad very notably and most notably maybe even is that losing captain parky michael parker is uh, retiring uh that definitely i think has kind of unsettled our back line a little bit made it really difficult for uh, not only miles robinson but george bello uh franco escobar i mean basically still very young players to a degree that are still learning their trade uh, and you know losing that LGP uh, other veterans and players who are just uh, you know I think acclimated into the system and the club and uh, losing all those guys not you know you also lose a you know a passionate leader kind of spiritual leader in Jose Martinez on the pitch and in the locker room uh, it's a lot of uh, a lot of leadership has been lost in a really short amount of time. I mean, uh, any thoughts on you know this lack of leadership that we have currently? No, I mean I basically agree. Like you said, Parky. I think you mentioned LGP as well. Um, yeah, to lose both of them uh, in the same offseason is kind of a tough blow. I mean, there was just there was so much upheaval, but uh, in general, but yeah, especially. I don't have too much to add. I mean, I just, I, I, I do agree that that is an issue. But I feel like now it's mainly Guzan and I guess Loreno to a degree who are, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to you know they, they have their role. They're trying to do it, but Loreno doesn't play every game. And uh, Guzan can only shout so much from the goalkeeper position, you know. So um, I think Joseph as well, definitely missing his, uh, his emotional intensity. Um, I think that could be the issue, part of the issue of why we start these matches so poorly. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's missing for sure. Yeah. Uh, take take number four. Yeah, number four, uh, dynamic midfield play. And so you think about Atlanta 2017 to 19, you know, typically we've had somebody who you can just give the, essentially give the ball to and they start an attack. That was Mickey for two years. Uh, that was Navi a little bit in 2018 had the long term injury and then for 2019 to me he was our best or second best player um, this season who is that guy you know is it hasn't really been Hosetu hasn't really been Hyman uh, I don't think that's Rometty's role per se but it hasn't been him you know he, all these players I guess you know they have spurts you know they can they have their skills but uh, to say um we have that uh, that sort of bailout in midfield. We just don't have it, and we get dominated in midfield a lot in these matches. And I think that's been making it very difficult to win matches. Right. Yeah. Midfield is, uh, I think, one of the, if not the most important part of the pitch that you need to be able to, uh, you know, have the the most amount of, uh, you know, to use a lack of a better word. I mean, to have the most dynamic in that sense where. Uh, you need to have a lot going forward and backwards to be able to run the game for you. And if you don't have it, I mean, you see these type of matches. I mean, you basically have to lump it long sometimes just to be able to uh, get it to our forward players. And that's, you know, not not exactly uh, the type of beautiful football that we all want to see. Uh, number three is identity crisis. 
I mean, we've talked about this a lot. Tanner has talked about this a lot uh, in previous times as well. I mean, basically, you know, we were uh, possession heavy with Frank DeBoer in that sense, but we weren't really uh, incisive, at, you know, most of the times. Uh, but right now, you know, currently, we, we try to play with possession, but there's no penetration really when we do. Uh, you know, are we trying to play with verticality? I mean, Stephen Glass is trying to implement that a little bit more where we are more aggressive, high press. Um, you know, but are we more of a counterattack team? Are we, you know, trying to sit uh, sit deep and counter? Obviously, I don't think, you know, currently that's been the case, but, you know, in the 2018 playoffs, that's uh, kind of the, what was really, really effective for us. But uh, right now, I mean, you know, we just don't know what type of, type of uh, football we want to play exactly and so it's uh it's really i think kind of made it really difficult but also you know the uh you know there are other aspects of that that uh, are kind of intertwined but take number two number two our goal scorers are gone joseph is injured as we know he was just recently sold vasquez who we made available in the expansion draft Marin was let go tito was sold i mean like these were all of these guys would have been, um, would have contributed. Obviously, we know Joseph is our main guy. I don't know what PD was capable of. Um, yeah, the Vasquez one, it's tough. It's tough, Cause especially when you lose Joseph. That's a player that you look at and go, he could have helped us. We talked about Tito, you know. And I think the reasoning at the time made sense. They couldn't guarantee his playing time. He's on Tam's salary. Um, but we miss him. Like plain and simple, we missed him. Even somebody like Miram, who maybe we didn't expect to have a big impact when we signed him, but um, would he help us now? I definitely think he would. So it's tough to you know, it's tough to win games when you're not scoring. Right. When you can't rely on you know the goals going into the back of the net or the balls going to the back of the net. I mean that's the kind of the biggest part of this game is you know the 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 scoreline is uh, you know the most important thing there and. You know, if we can't get uh, goals, it's a, a huge thing. Miram, uh, you know, showing what he can still do with Real Salt Lake. I think, you know, obviously it was the the Tam money, like you were mentioning, also with uh, Tito as well. That uh, is maybe a hindrance, but I think you could see that we could still use their, their services now. Uh, I mean, imagine at least even one of the three right now in terms of Vasquez, Miram, or Tito up top for us. I mean, Miram has played striker in the past. And so, you know, it, it really could be something that uh, it would be a different story really uh, for this season completely. But uh, let's get into some honorable mentions. Uh, so some of these, uh, I think, are obvious as well with coaching change midseason. Uh, I think definitely makes the, uh, the, I think, pressure on the interim head coach, Stephen Glass, uh, obviously more, but... You know, he he can only do so much as a pretty much first time head coach and inheriting the you know talent of the roster as it's currently constructed. Uh, some defensive issues uh, for sure, not only starting games, but also, yeah, you know, I think in general, uh, you know, it looks like it's a little bit all over the shop when you essentially uh you know in terms of replacing players uh you know parky was the first man off the bench uh for us as a defender in terms of 
uh, I think at most positions, really. Uh, he had played some left back, some uh, you know right wing back. Yeah, it was definitely, he was uh, kind of a Swiss uh, utility knife type of thing. But uh, yeah, Wax is essentially that first man off of the bench for us. And I think, you know, as solid as Wax is, that's still a downgrade. I mean, Parky is, uh, you know, pretty much one of the historically uh, best MLS center backs of all time. So, you know, it's, it's different when you have to uh, kind of uh, swap those type of people out. Uh, but starting games poorly, yeah, definitely has been a thing. And confidence in the project. I mean, difficult uh, to see if the players are able to uh, to buy in right now when it's, you know, they don't know who's going to play really, who's their talisman like we mentioned earlier. It's just, uh, it's difficult probably for a lot of people to see. But uh, I think going and getting to number one, it's Carlos Bocanegra, Darren Eels, and the player mule. Player moves. Uh, essentially, you know, the first couple of seasons, first three seasons, uh, they got a longer leash uh, because, you know, some unprecedented uh, unprecedented success that they uh, got by, you know, not only uh, some of the help that they had and maybe, uh, you know, McDonough and, of course, Tata Martino with... Uh, the players that he was able to convince to buy into the project as well. But now this year, I mean, there was a lot of turnover. And it's uh, it's really been impacting, I think, the quality of the players on the pitch and the play. But uh, some thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, like, you kind of have to look critically, I think, at the, at the replacements. And even the ones who, like, in my opinion, Brooks Lennon and Fernando Misa haven't been they've been okay you know but they have big shoes to fill and i think um in all fairness i don't think they've quite filled them um and so you know you look at uh you know it's something we we were just talking about earlier but uh the talent available i mean it's just it's so difficult to compete when it's just not up to par you know like we we were concerned going into this into the chicago match and rightfully so mm-hmm. and i think part of it was that uh, chicago does have like even though the record suggests that they're on the lower end of the table, they do have talented players and they were at home and we know that they can attack and score and they did. Uh, so it's, yeah, I think, I do think that uh, Bocanegra has to, has to take responsibility. And I guess whatever role Eels, Eels plays in these moves as well, they do have to take responsibility uh, because you can bring in the best coaches in the world, but they can only get so much out of the players. Um, yeah, it's a marginal it's, difference. It's a marginal difference that uh, most coaches generally can can get out of uh, you know a talented roster. I mean, if you have a talented roster, I think it mostly solves a lot of the problems. And yes. you know, what's the uh, the issue largely, and who uh, who is in charge of that? It's Carlos Bocanegra and his staff. And so uh, he's he's mentioned that as well uh, this past week. Uh, you know, he has said that. Uh, you know, we're accountable with who we bring in. The players that have been here, six or seven guys that we've had in, uh, on the championship teams are not playing up to the level that we expect them to play. That also needs to change. Uh, he has said that, uh, you know, if people want to have criticisms and anger, they can point that toward myself. That's fine. We need to do better. But uh, it's also interesting. I think, uh, you know, and this is according to a Dirty South Soccer article 
uh, you know, there was the virtual town hall that they did for season ticket holders. And Boca Negra, he explained that the team effectively had to leverage as many financial and budget resources as it could muster to reinforce the 2018 team, knowing that they had a chance to win a championship. But uh, that, you know, the technical director admitted in doing so, the team had ran out of rope, forcing drastic changes to the squad ahead of this season. And so, you know, the kind of fallout of winning an MLS Cup uh, when you have a lot of players that were on either, uh, you know, first-year deals, essentially, um, you know, kind of Miles Robinson and Julian Gressel in that sense, uh, looking for a pay rise, and then, you know, uh, people moving on, uh, people looking for TAM money or DP money, a la maybe Jonathan Nagby. I mean, that will really, yeah, severely affect uh, the way you construct a team, and I think that's you know definitely something that has impacted this for sure uh yeah. now it's uh you know in terms of uh fully to blame i don't think there's one thing there's as we've uh, kind of pretty much pointed out there's a flurry of things that uh have gone wrong at the club and it's uh definitely uh you know may 2020 as difficult to watch as it's been so anyway uh you know what do you think of our list uh, you know, if you have some suggestions on what you think uh, have has gone wrong in 2020, please let us know in the comments below. So that does it for the top five and gets it, us to the mailbag. And you guys send in these questions through IG Story. Please continue to do so, and we might answer your question in the future. So first question comes from Omi. They ask, "Why are we shit?" <laughs> I think we uh, we kind of just went through that. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, if you didn't catch that bit, rewind, but, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's definitely something that, uh, I think we went pretty in depth in. Next question comes from Mateo on Dante, and he asks, do you think ATL can make the playoffs? We can, um, I mean, there's just, there's quite a few bad teams, <laughs> so we can, I, I, I still I can't make, I'm not going to say to make a prediction, but, you know, they're still in the hunt. Um, and also, you know, we'll, we'll see what Marcelino is able to bring when he joins the team and how many games he's able to play and so on. But if he's able to add anything, um, I think that, uh, I think that would be a big boost as well. Um, I think the play of certain individuals is encouraging, you know, like uh, Mesa to a degree, uh, Gallagher certainly. Um, you know, if Adam Johns it gets comfortable in, in that role, possibly him as well. So I think, you know, would, again, like we have to finish 10, you know, or better. So um, I do think that's within reach of Atlanta. Right. I mean, yeah, currently we're, we're 12th uh, or 11th rather. And uh, so we, you know, have the ability to uh, still make the playoffs, whether, uh, you know, there's some fans that like, oh, just... It doesn't matter if we do or don't, but I think you know. I think for ambition-wise, for optics-wise, I think uh, like Seattle Sounders, they've made the playoffs every single year of their existence. I think it's something that you know the the team still wants to be able to hold to the uh, esteem, and so 
it's uh, important, I think, that we still can, I think, get it together. There, it, there's nothing about tanking in MLS. It doesn't really matter. There's not top-tier talent that you can really ex absolutely get uh, in the Super Draft that will you know, really change the game for you really uh, anymore. And so I don't think uh, you know, there's any sense in uh, tanking like people are saying that we are. But next question comes from Brendan Barone. Falcons or us worse? Uh, I gotta say Falcons, man. Come on. Because, yeah. like, okay, 2019, uh, you know, it was weird under the war, sure, but we still won two trophies, and that was a record for record number of points for a defending champion. I don't know if a lot of people knew that, but um, yeah, I mean, like, so in terms of should DeBoer have been let go before the season, I think that would have been surprising. Whereas the Falcons coaching staff, I don't know how they keep. I don't know how they keep showing up. I don't know how they keep getting paid, but I would love to have that job right now. <laughs> yeah, it seems that's super job easy. security. Yeah. Yeah, so, indeed. Uh, yeah, I think Falcons 0-3, uh, they haven't won a Super Bowl. I mean, I think they're much, much worse in that position. And they were a lot shit of people, last season. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, there's lots of questions in their uh, their squad, their team, their, uh, their season. I mean, you know, us at least, uh, you know, I think – this seems like more, I think, in terms of ambition and aberration. And, you know, the club will be looking to rectify the situation as soon as possible. Falcons, they're sticking around with Quinn. Uh, all right. <laughs> yeah, and Dimitrov, the GM. I mean, like, yeah, what, what, as well. has he given them a chance to win? I don't think so. Yeah, that, their player recruitment, definitely an issue as well. But this isn't a Falcons podcast, so... We don't much care about the the Falcons, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, next question comes from Joel HP. Joel HP asks, um, "You think FDB is at fault for the team right now?" Um, not right now. No, I mean, like, I, I to say that the blame was always, you know, never completely owned. Um, was never completely at fault. Sorry, that's what I'm trying to say. Mm. Um, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I think that he was part of the problem, and I think that when a manager is not working out, you let them go. Like, there's, mm. there's no point in keeping a manager around when you know the tenure does not have a long-term future. So, but he was always part of the problem to me. He was never the problem. So, um, once he's out the door, then, you know, and I kind of said at the time, you got to look kind of the, the blame shifts you know and in this case it shifts upwards to the technical director and the president so yeah uh i think you know he has a part to play in uh the way the team is playing in, in terms of uh you know he pretty much in terms of the retaining players from 2019 uh there is still a little bit of uh you know i think remnants of how they're playing you know, very kind of listless possession at times, horizontal play uh, versus the more vertical play that we're, uh, you know, we want. And uh, so, you know, in that respect, I think so. And uh, the fact that, I mean, you know, these players haven't really uh, gelled together in any sort of semblance of a system, you know, possibly uh, comes into play as well. But I think largely... It's still, I mean, it's the talent. It's, uh, you know, whether they're injured or not able to play or, uh, you know, not playing. It's, you know, or the just the talent on the pitch currently. It's just not good enough. 
Uh, last yeah. question comes from Josh Hertz twenty. Josh Hertz twenty asks, "Do you see any LNI players being called up to the U.S. men's national team soon? If so, then who?" I mean, with the form, it's going to be probably pretty difficult to, you know, guess who it would be. For me, Miles Robinson is probably still, I think, uh, highly looked upon, but I think he's still, uh, he's still, I think, not maybe a starter with the U.S. Men's National Team, so I could see him missing out. Who do you think? Uh, yeah, I think the key word there is soon, because uh, I don't know about soon. I mean... Uh, I can see Mike Robinson being called up to the squad, I guess, you know, because they, they kind of need to figure out who um, their center back is going to be next to Brooks. And so it does look like there's a couple MLS players that play for that position. And so I wouldn't be surprised if Robinson is called up. I think that people realize that he's good, even though um, they're in a, you know, we're in a kind of a bit of rough form right now. His, uh, now, his health is another concern, and so maybe that's why he won't get called up this time around. I think if Bello, so, you know, this doesn't really answer the soon part of this, but I think if Bello had a good 2021 season, he should be in contention for the national team as well. Right. Um, so, I but, yeah, I, I think those two players, I guess Guzan still gets caught up, uh, you know, but not, yeah, I don't really, aside from the, the players we already know about, I don't see anybody else uh, breaking through in any time too. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed on Bello. Uh, yeah, it would just be if he's part of the, you know, kind of maybe U20s or if it's, uh, you know, the, the senior team. So uh, so that pretty much wraps it up for the mailbag and gets us to the match preview against D.C. United over the weekend. It's on Saturday at Audi Field, uh, October 3rd, 7 p.m. It'll be shown locally on Fox Sports Southeast. And uh, in D.C., if you're a D.C. fan and popping in, uh, WJLA 24-7 News. But uh, basically, I mean, it's two clubs that are reeling and are desperate for points. Uh, we are both mired low, low in the Eastern Conference. And uh, yeah, D.C. United are currently at the bottom. Uh, they lost 2-0 recently to the New England Revolution. Uh, and, you know, of course, we lost against Chicago Fire 2-0. But, uh, you know, there is this. Uh, it's a small sample size, but D.C. are unbeaten at home against Atlanta United. That's uh, four wins and zero losses, zero draws, uh, and an 8-2 goal advantage. So, speaking of House of Horrors, this is... If, if not more, uh, definitely one for sure. So yeah. uh, <laughs> in terms of uh, DC United, uh, they have now five matches without a win. Uh, and yeah, they would definitely like to at least get a share of the points here. I think uh, that's something that uh, is market improvement for both clubs if uh, they can both, uh, you know, get a point in, uh, in this. But uh, yeah, we had a little bit of momentum from midweek, but uh, yeah, you know, Chicago, that kind of halted it right there for sure. But uh, yeah, like I said, the series matchup isn't good. Uh, they have, yeah, those four wins. Uh, we do have a couple of wins against them, uh, but it is still, you know, at the end of the day, uh, they, they pretty much still kind of uh, largely own this matchup for sure um but uh in terms of 
Uh, this, yeah, in terms of uh, you know the way they play, Ben Olsen, he's definitely, if not on, you know, a warm seat, uh, he should be absolutely, you know, he should have been maybe let go a couple of years ago, possibly, but because right. <laughs> you know, I think still while it's marginal in terms of the difference uh, some head coaches can make, I think when you had Rooney, when you had Lucho Acosta, uh, you know, those type of players. They should have been, yeah, I think making a deeper run than they did in the playoffs for sure. But, so, uh, for sure. yeah, they're a type of team that, that – yeah, go ahead. It's that and it's the football. I mean, like Benny yeah. Ball, you all know, right? You know, so it's just like – I just feel like his tenure has run its course. I don't see how he can oh, – sorry. I don't see how he survives this season. Really don't, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, he's had multiple seasons where it's been like this. And he's got some decent talent at his disposal, some uh, veteran players. But in terms of how they play, uh, yeah, they're a team that sits back a lot. Uh, they don't really, uh, you know, want to keep the ball. Uh, they're not a team right now that uh, are really remarkably good at anything, really, in terms of uh, defensively going forward. Uh, you know, defending counterattacks, not very good. Defending set pieces, not very good. Um, you know, it's just, it's something that they have to work on and, uh, get better, but hopefully not against us. But, uh, you know, speaking of these players, um, yeah, you know, of course, Julian Gressel is with them. Uh, he's got one goal and one assist on the season. Yamil Saad, of course, is with them as well. He's got one goal on the season. Ola Kamara, their forward, he leads their team with two goals, uh, and one assist, and uh, they also have Federico Iguain, uh, who has moved over from Columbus Crew as a player coach. And he has had no goals or assist contributions so far in 2020. So it's, uh, yeah, maybe a lot of underperforming players. They've dealt with a ton of injuries as well. But uh, for Atlanta, uh, for us, uh, you want to mention who's, uh, who's to watch for us? Yes, uh, so we've talked a little bit about George Bellow today and before, and uh, I think he's definitely, I think he's earned the right to be a key player for us. I mean, he's definitely, he's shown a lot of improvements. Uh, you know, he's dangerous down the left side, uh, particularly when Barkley plays, but in general, I think he's, uh, he's shown the ability to uh, play both sides of the pitch, get up the field, you know, put, put in crosses and track back. Uh, John Gallagher, another player we mentioned, uh, he's played now center forward and right wing the last couple games and has looked really good you know he provides pressure he has good deliveries um he's a really solid overall contributor especially with uh us missing talent up top i think he's uh he's going to be a key player for us and jake morini i think has shown uh some some good things at the left wing position you know i think we always kind of felt like left, left wing back or left back was not his position, but I think the left wing looks much more comfortable. Um, you know, he'll get his shots off, he'll put people on, and uh, we're gonna need that. We're gonna need that if we're, if we're gonna get a result more than likely. Uh, we're, we're gonna need a contribution from all three of those players, right? Yeah, they have, uh, I think also uh, swap wings sometimes as well. I think uh, Gallagher has played uh, left wing more than uh, more than that, but it, it is, yeah, I think when they uh, you know, are able to interchange a little bit, invert, or uh, you know, go back to uh, where their you know strong foot is most comfortable. We've 
seen a lot of uh, chances be able to be created from those sides, and so you know, uh, it's it's at least in terms of uh, the danger, it's coming from there. Whether we get goals from them or not, that's a whole other thing. But uh, getting to, into the injuries and availability list, uh, take it away, take it away, Mark. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the big loss was uh, Paul Arioli towards ACL early in the season. Um, they're also missing midfielder Edison Flores, uh, something to do with his eye. Midfielder Felipe also had an ACL injury. Uh, midfielder Mohamed Abu got with a knee injury. Midfielder Ulysses Segura um, still recovering. And uh, Kevin Paredes also still recovering. Um, and defender Russell Canoose is questionable for this match, but yeah, they're missing a lot of midfielders, uh, a couple of attacking midfielders, and so that probably has to do, uh, probably has a lot to do with their struggles. For sure. And uh, for Atlanta, uh, yeah, Ezekiel Barco, like we mentioned earlier, he remains day to day. Whether he can play this match or not, uh, we shall see. It's uh, definitely one of the biggest questions around the club at the moment. Uh, Jurgen Dom. Hamstring still uh, maybe day to day, but he has been training and he was seeing today. We were filming this uh, on a, a Wednesday. He was uh, doing some stretches with his legs. Uh, looked very yeah. flexible. Looking yeah, more like a stretch. Uh, indeed. Uh, looking more like uh, John Claude Van Damme than uh, Jurgen Damme. But uh, <laughs> indeed, indeed, I went there. But uh, yeah, so. <laughs> Of course, Joseph Martinez is out, and uh, Kubo Torres is out with a knee sprain. And, of course, also Eric Lopez is in limbo. So, uh, let's get into the opponent's uh, previous 11. It looked like uh, Hamid, Adoy, Atsum, Brilliant, uh, Burnbaum, and Mora in the back line. Nyman, Moreno. Uh, in midfield, Yao, Reyna, Assad in attacking midfield, and Kamara up top. Now, uh, the match before that, because uh, you're probably wondering, where was Gressel? Uh, Gressel was playing right midfield, and uh, yeah, mostly the uh, the squad looked very similar uh, to a degree, except for they played a 4-4-2 uh, with Rivas and Kamara up top, and Fisher was in at right back. But uh, yeah. With that being said, let's get into our predicted starting 11. And let's get through the lines together. Goose uh, persists. Uh, now, uh, the back line. Let's uh, let's see what you have. Yeah, so i got a four-man back line. And I think that it's going to be Escobar, Mesa, Walks, and Fellow. Uh, Miles, of course, you know, we, we're not sure uh, if he'll be ready. Um, so I think Walks comes in. And, uh, yeah, I think Mesa, like I said before, has been solid, and I think he continues. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm hoping that Robinson can come in. Uh, if if not, I, I, I'm not sure that uh, Brooks Lennon persists at right back here. I think, yeah, walks, uh, I think, got the rest that maybe he needed and, yeah, will maybe start in place if it's not. But And so George uh, Bello Robinson can play because, yeah, we need our first choice back line. <laughs> yeah right now but uh let's get into the midfield who do you got and so keep in mind that this is the first match of uh of three and seven days um so for the midfield i have to set to Rometty and hyman um i thought about putting lorena in there but i think uh, with orlando and red bulls coming up after that i think they'll want to save his legs for those matches so i think start off with Rometty, hasetu and hyman um which, you know, they've, they've been okay together. I think um, you get a little bit of dynamism 
um, they're gonna have to, you know, we we've just been too too passive and too open in midfield, and they're gonna have to take control of this match if Atlanta are gonna get anything out of it. Right. I think, uh, yeah, for, yeah. For me, it's the same. Uh, yeah, Larry, for the same reason, does not start for me. But uh, it definitely for us, it's our most attacking midfield in that sense, uh, in terms of a three. So it, I think it has to be those guys if they're healthy. If Osetu can come in, if that's an if uh, as well, because he did miss last match. But there hasn't really been, I think, uh, a huge. Uh, you know, deal made about his injury, so it seems like he possibly can play. Uh, let's get to the forward line. Yeah, I thought about this a bit, but I'm gonna roll with uh, Lennon, Gallagher, and Mulaney. Uh, what they did versus Dallas, um, I think that, and we'll see. I think we'll see a similar dynamic. You know, they're they're going to press, they're going to interchange a bit. And, you know, like, this is a pretty core DC United team. And so I think this is an opportunity to get, certainly get three points, but at least one, you know. And so I think um, I think this is an aggressive forward line. You know, you try to win some balls high up the pitch, try to, you know, get directly in on goal, try to get goals. And so yeah. I think this is the best forward line to do that. Right. Now, uh, I agree with you. It's a, That's my same forward line. Uh, you know, maybe Adam John could get a start in terms of maybe holding it up for us and uh, letting some of the players run in behind. But uh, I think, you know, maybe that's more of a, you know, option B, option C later on in the match. Uh, I think we want to see, you know, what these guys can do in terms of, you know, how quick they are. If they can, yeah, like you were saying, press high, make some mistakes happen. You know, maybe that's the way we can really get at them uh, and see if that, that uh, game plan can work. And uh, that kind of, you know, segues nicely into what we'd like to see the team do in this game, which is, yeah, do that, play with some verticality as well, and uh, really try to be efficient in front of goal. I mean, we were ruining those chances that we missed. And, uh, you know, while Adam John was the, you know, maybe beneficiary of uh, some of the, the best chances, uh, I think, yeah, we can still create some chances here that hopefully we can put away. Uh, we, we, as well, need to watch out for the ball, uh, that long ball over the top. Not only have we been susceptible to it, but also, uh, you know, I would imagine DC would be trying to maybe do that, especially if Gressel plays. Uh, that, you know, Gressel-Kamara connection will be, I think, uh, very important to hopefully nullify. And, uh, yeah, we will be able to, or will need to be able to break down that low block. Uh, so, you know, maybe it's one of those, uh, maybe we let them have it at some times and see if they can, uh, you know, make some mistakes and where we do press high. And so it's something maybe we, uh, we bait them into uh, that type of uh, that play. Hopefully we can. But uh, anything that you'd like to see the team do beyond what I mean, you already yeah. said? Um, not really beyond what you said. I will like that last point. I totally agree with, you know, even two years ago when they had Rooney and Acosta, they were sitting back, um, when they beat Atlanta three, one at Audi field and, you know, they hit us on the counter, you know, that ball to Acosta and so on. And I don't think they have the same forward. Uh, sorry. I don't think they have the same talent up top, but, uh, as a strategy, I think you should still expect that. And so, yeah, I do think that Atlanta United should concede possession a bit more and instead, maybe uh, try some long balls the other way 
and then try to win second balls or press the defenders once the ball is there. You know, like I think uh, I I don't know if this this is probably not going to be the prettiest match overall. <laughs> you know, I yeah. think you 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 have to you just have to take the take what the game gives you, and so. Um, but yeah, I think that would be smart to kind of worry less about possession and uh, worry more about trying to catch him on the break. Right. I think, yeah, worry most about scoring goals. But uh, with all that being said, let's get into our score prediction then. Uh, what do you have? Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a 1-1. Like I said, I don't think it's going to be the prettiest match. Um, I'm hoping we get a goal in it. But uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's... Uh, I'd, I'd be surprised if there's a whole lot of scoring in this. So, 1-1 one, one yeah. for me. I agree with that. Unfortunately, I think, yeah, there's maybe going to be some timidness from both sides. Uh, basically, both playing for maybe a draw, and a draw is what I have, and it's a nil-nil, unfortunately. It's going to be that. I'm sure we're, uh, you know, hopefully we're, we're wrong, and it's going to be like a 4-4 match or something like that, but I just, again cannot see where the goals are going to come from so it's yeah it's unfortunately a nil nil draw for me let us know in the comments below what you think is gonna be the score line and what's gonna happen because yeah hopefully it's more more goals than what i've uh, said and more goals than what mark said too i mean yeah right but anyway that gets us to the question of the day and the question of the day is, what's Atlanta United's single biggest issue right now? Let us know in the comments below. And that's it for us today. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already. Share this episode and leave us a review and rating so we can pop up higher in your rankings. And for Mark, I'm AJ. Th- <laughs>